I believe there is only one good racial gimmick in wrestling, and it was the Nation of Domination. Farouk was great in that role, but the WWF really screwed over Ron Simmons. Hello everyone and welcome to DM1. My name is Bradley and this is another Vintage Wrestling Review. This is episode 16 of Who Booked This? As always, please give me a follow over on Twitter at Emerald Hacksaw for all updates on the show. Head over to anchor.fm forward slash DM1 podcast for the entire WBT archive. Most episodes are anywhere between 20 and 50 episodes, except for two. Last week and three weeks ago, I went over two hours with a pair of buddies. WBT 13 saw good brother Michael and I talk about Raw from 2003 when Ric Flair became the nature boy again. And WBT 15 saw Brian from Geek Squire and I talk about primetime impact from 2006. Before we get started, I do just want to send some positive vibes towards Brian. He lives out in Louisiana and Hurricane Ida has wrecked the area. Brian, I hope you and yours are going to be okay. We are here for you. And unfortunately, I have no better segue, so I apologize Back to talking about my stuff. When you are on Anchor, you can support DM1 by subscribing for a monthly fee. We have three tiers, $0.99, $4.99, and $9.99. I accept anything. Just click the support button on the page. You will get a shout out when you do so. Next to that, you'll see a message button. Hit that to tell me how you're liking the show. You can suggest a future episode and even leave me a question to answer. You may get featured right here on Who Booked This. And finally, DM1 is on five other podcast platforms, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Breaker. Follow the show on those platforms so you do not miss an upload. This week is another instance of talking about something random that I remember from being a child. This time, it is not a stupid booking decision like back on WBT7 with La Resistance in Montreal. I teased it last week and said this image has been burned in my brain since it happened. It features Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker, and a steel chair. This is the 223rd episode of Raw is War or Season 5, Episode 44 on Peacock from August 18th, 1997. We are live from the Atlantic City Convention Center in Atlantic City, New Jersey. We had 8,672 in attendance and a TV record of 3.2. We are two weeks removed from SummerSlam 1997. I'll go ahead and just say it here. We are here today to talk about the segment in which Shawn Michaels murders The Undertaker with a steel chair. And this stems from SummerSlam where Shawn cost Undertaker the WWF title with a steel chair. This started a new heel turn for Shawn as we are building to ground zero where he and Undertaker will compete. And then that will lead to the first ever Hell in a Cell match at Bad Blood in October. Other than that, I don't have a clue what happens on this show. Before we get started, I want to say that I am glad I am finally covering an episode of Raw from 1997 because a few weeks back, I watched an episode of Nitro from this year and I hated that show. That show wasn't great, so oddly enough, I hope this show isn't either. I don't know if I just caught a bad Nitro or if wrestling TV from 97 does not age well in 2021. As I was preparing this show this week, 
I noticed that WWE had actually missed two weeks of Raw at this time. After this episode, Raw doesn't come back on the air until September 8th, so the Mondays of August 25th and September 1 are missing. What an interesting turn of events. WWE actually missed a couple of weeks of programming and didn't make it up on another night. I'm assuming that it was the Westminster Kennel Club dog show that preempted them, but usually they have Raw on another night. USA was bad about preempting Raw for the US Open as well, but I don't ever remember Raw just skipping weeks before airing new episodes. I remember Thursday Raw, Thursday Live, and Saturday Night Raw, and all those other specials because of tennis and the damn dog show. That actually happened with the debut episode of Nitro. Eric Bischoff specifically waited until Raw was going to not be on the air so they could have that Monday night all to themselves. So despite having 1,475 episodes as of this recording, Raw actually should have more. Either way, let's get into this week's program. We start with an all-new signature for WBT before going to the coolest intro WWE has ever done. The abandoned warehouse with Stone Cold, Bret Hart, Psycho Sid, and Undertaker fighting inside a ring on fire. JR greets us and says, We are looking at the most fun-loving, enthusiastic, boisterous fans in the world. Boy, hasn't that changed in 24 years. Vince McMahon introduced Rick Rude to the ring. Rude takes the mic and does his shtick about being a real man and calling the AC crowd sweat hogs. Vince asks Rude about being an insurance policy. Rude says he's actually an insurance salesman. You provide the buck and he provides the bang. This whole exchange is weird. Rude then says, like a good neighbor, Rick Rude is always there. Rude then suggests that you'll be in good hands. Good God, this promo was ridiculous. Get it? Rick Rude provides insurance for his clients. He's going to help them when they need help. I don't get the need to be so heavy-handed with the plays on words. Uh, the dub for Rick Rude's music is so loud compared to the original audio levels that we can barely hear JR and Jerry Lawler on commentary. I think we're going to hear from Stone Cold, but I can't hear JR. King tells us that Shawn Michaels and Hunter Hearst Helmsley will compete against Undertaker and Mankind in a massive tag team match. But up next, the Road Warriors will take on Owen Hart and the British Bulldog. And we hear from Owen and Davey Boy quickly. Both of these teams will be in a four-way at ground zero. We see an exterior shot of Atlantic City. King says, watch it, you'll get mugged out there. Backstage, off in the distance, we see Shawn Michaels in the face of Commissioner Slaughter. Owen Hart and British Bulldog are on their way to the ring. Owen is a two-time Slammy winner. Bulldog is the current European champion. The four-way at Ground Zero that was just mentioned earlier will see Stone Cold and Dude Love defend the tag team titles against Owen and Davey Boy, the Road Warriors, and the Godwins. The Road Warriors come out, and even in 1997, they're still a pair of badasses. Immediately, I notice that the hard cam is in a weird position because there are way too many people in front of it. You don't usually see that in WWE presentations signs are in the way of the view of the ring i now know that kmart sucks davy boy popped off a stalling suplex on hawk hawk breaks out of a side headlock only to get a knee to the gut afterwards owen is back in now and he pulls a move out of his brother's playbook the brothers-in-law are taking it to hawk hawk and davy boy hit a double clothesline before tagging in their respective partners 
Animal catches Owen from the top rope with a power slam. The Godwins come down, distract the referee, and crack Animal with the slot bucket. Owen and Davy Boy will win this match, and then all three teams are fighting in the ring. During the course of this match, I know the Ground Zero show will be on Sunday, September the 7th. The WWF will be in Manchester about three weeks later. And they'll be in Chicago this Saturday. I know this because JR made sure to mention this about five times. Speaking of JR, he spoke to Stone Cold in a hotel in Philadelphia earlier today. We'll be seeing that later. Mankind is in the back cutting a promo and he's saying his mind doesn't forgive what The Undertaker has done to him and his body won't forget, but they have to team up tonight. Shawn Michaels is being interviewed now. This is a practice that I haven't seen in a while. Shawn is in the back being interviewed by Vince at the announce table. I loved it when they did that. It just, it made it feel different. Shawn says everything that has happened since SummerSlam was a mistake, but he's being painted into a corner. And when that happens, things are no longer mistakes. He isn't supposed to be in the ring with The Undertaker until Ground Zero, and he also has to compete against Mankind, and Hunter Hearst Helmsley isn't even his partner. He doesn't have any partners. Sonny is the guest ring announcer for some reason for this next match. Flash Funk's music hits, but Brian Christopher comes out. The music changes as Brian is halfway down the ramp. Now Flash Funk is on his way out. They are playing up that Jerry Lawler and Brian Christopher are not father and son. King is coming up with excuses about he and Brian and JR calls him a liar. Flash Funk hit a short sick kick and Brian took a crazy bump. He flew over the top rope to the floor. That was pretty cool. Brian actually hits a skull crushing finale as we would refer to it in 2021 and then a drop kick off the middle rope. The WWF is building to their new light heavyweight division and talking about Brian Christopher being a light heavyweight. The official tournament won't begin until November and the finals will not take place until December. So already talking about it here in September, probably the most long term plan they've had this whole year. King is trying to tell Brian to hit a pile driver. This causes Flash to crotch Brian on the top turnbuckle. He hits a 450 splash for the win, and King and Brian are seen arguing in the ring. We hear comments from The Undertaker ahead of tonight's tag team match. He says he doesn't forgive or forget what Mankind has done to him, and if Mankind gets in his way, he will take everyone out. Raw is brought to us by the Discovery Zone, and I have no idea what the hell that is. The Sultan is in the ring now. He will be taking on Ken Shamrock. We see Hunter Hearst Helmsley jaw jacking with the commissioner backstage. Nobody wants to be a part of this tag team main event. We find that out as the night goes along. And I must have forgot because Ken Shamrock is fucking jacked to the gills here. My God. Shamrock was able to rotate Sultan over with a hip toss. Sultan catches Shamrock in midair and slams him. But Shamrock comes back and clotheslines Sultan over the top rope. Sultan launches Shamrock into the steps. The Iron Sheik cracks the Iranian flag over Shamrock's massive back. The Sultan was able to get a little bit together before Shamrock turned the tide again. Shamrock hooks Sultan over with a belly-to-belly, -belly, and then he does the same to the Sheik. He cranked off a Hurricanrana before locking in the ankle lock. Sultan taps, and Shamrock takes home the dub. Ken Shamrock was in the right place at the wrong time. If Steve Austin wasn't hot as hell and months away from being the top guy... I think Ken Shamrock could have been WWF champion. We get a shot of Vince, JR, and King at the booth. There is someone in the crowd with a sign that reads Dave Prezak 12 and over. I don't know what that's about, but it sounds gross. 
We are about to go to the interview between JR and Stone Cold in Philadelphia until we hear the music of the Nation of Domination. Damn, that Nation music was sick. Farouk goes straight to JR. We're getting an impromptu interview now. Farouk says that underneath Ahmed Johnson's thick black skin, he is a white man. He wants to be pretty like Shawn Michaels. He wants to be like Steve Austin. He says, quote, you couldn't be white if they sandblasted your ass 20 times. Damn. Farouk then takes his venom to Savio Vega and Crush. They will have a street fight at Ground Zero. He gives the floor to Rocky Maivia, who just recently joined the nation. Rocky says he has heard three words. Die, Rocky, die. That's the gratitude he gets from the fans. He says it isn't about the color of his skin. It's about respect. After becoming the youngest Intercontinental Champion of all time, he was pelted with chants of Rocky sucks. He says it isn't a black thing or a white thing. And Rocky says, if we want to talk about racist factions, let's talk about the DOA. Rocky claims that the DOA epitomizes racism. Rocky says, the nation will earn respect by any means necessary. And then the DOA come up on the Titantron and claim the nation is more like the nation of constipation. Crush then challenges the nation to a fight in the parking lot. After promoting the Austin interview and the tag team match one more time, we see Dustin and Terry Reynolds with their daughter Dakota on the beach in Atlantic City. Hunter Hearst Helmsley and China are in the back. He said he isn't afraid of Undertaker and Mankind. He is just as upset as Shawn Michaels for being in this match. He is cut off by the nation and DOA fighting in the parking lot. Kama Mustafa, because I don't think he was the godfather yet, was immediately thrown into the back windshield of a car. And in the middle of this fight, Los Barriquas take off with the DOA's motorcycles. I should mention this real quick. The excommunication of Savio Vega and Crush from the Nation of Domination led to the WWF giving them their own factions. Savio formed Los Barriquas, a stable of Puerto Rican wrestlers, while Crush formed the Disciples of Apocalypse, a stable of white bikers. Add these two stables to the Black Party Panther-esque nation stable of black wrestlers, and we have what is called the Gang Wars in the World Wrestling Federation. Yes, at this time, Vince McMahon had finally gotten on the faction train, except he decided to make several at one time. We had the Nation, we had the DOA, we had Los Periquas, we had the Hart Foundation. In this case of everyone but the Hart Foundation, we had an all-white stable, an all-black stable, and an all-Puerto Rican stable. It was a self-contained race war, and it was horrendous. Nothing good came from this. I said this last week with Brian. I believe there is only one good racial gimmick in wrestling, and it was the Nation of Domination. Farouk was great in that role, but the WWF really screwed over Ron Simmons. Back to in-ring action, it's Jesse James, or Jesse Jams, J-A-M-M-E-S, weird. Anyway, he is the real Double J. After Jeff Jarrett left the WWF, they buried him and gave the country singer gimmick to Jesse James. He's taking on Brian Pillman, who has been wrestling in a dress since SummerSlam. He lost a match to Goldust, in which that was the stipulation. He must wear a dress until he wins a match. Jesse James hits the laziest leapfrog to lift the dress and show Pillman's underwear. I see Vlad, the superfan in the crowd. He is not happy about Pillman wearing this dress. Goldust makes his way to the ring. He drops an elbow on James and leaves. Pillman was DQ'd, which means Pillman has to keep wearing a dress. Has there been a match on this show to end without a screwy finish? 
Pillman grabs a microphone and asks Goldust if he thinks this is funny. Pillman makes Goldust an offer. One more match, and if Pillman loses, he leaves the WWF forever. But if Pillman wins, he gets Terry as his personal assistant for 30 days, 24 hours a day. And Goldust shuts this down immediately. Pillman lowers the boom on Dustin because he says that Dakota is his love child. And Dustin runs down to the ring to maul Pillman. And during that, Terry grabs the mic and accepts the challenge. What a wacky storyline, man. Remember, I said this last week when talking about, you know, the episode of Raw literally 13 months after this. I felt very weird about talking about the program between Dustin and Terry Runnels because I know what happens, of course. And I feel just as weird now because I know, I mean, we all know what was supposed to happen uh, with this program had, you know, Brian Pillman not passed away uh, just a couple of months later. And um, yeah, it, it, it was it was possibly going to be interesting, but I still feel weird talking about Dustin and Terry, it, you know, as Goldust and Marlena, because obviously their relationship really squandered as uh, as the years went on. Either way, up next, we will see the Patriot taking on Vader. The first hour of Raw is over, and now the War Zone has begun. The signature and the intro play again, and we also get more pyro. The WWF actually marketed Raw and Warzone as two separate shows because I think it got them more money or something like that. I don't remember. Vince is basically opening the show again. He's talking about how the fans have their freedom of expression to cheer and boo whomever they please. Yeah, you'll soon to not like that. It's time for the war zone, and it's also Vader time. He's coming out, and like I said, he is taking on the Patriot. Patriot actually comes out to Kurt Angle's music. What the hell? Uh, yeah, that's right. The WWF reused the metal song for Kurt Angle just two years after they used it for Del Wilkes as the Patriot. Um, real quickly, uh, rest in peace to Del Wilkes, the Patriot. We just recently lost him um, just a few weeks ago. As soon as the bell rings, Bret Hart makes his way down the ramp. He is the WWF champion, and he will defend that belt against the Patriot at ground zero. Vader was throwing all of his weight around on the Patriot. Patriot fought through that to put together some offense, crossbody by the Patriot. He went for the sunset flip, but Vader held on and dropped his ass all over Patriot's chest. Vader drops a big elbow. Patriot gets flattened with a splash. Not gonna lie, I'm expecting a screwy finish, so I'm not really feeling this match. Vader went for the Vader bomb, but telegraphed it heavily. Patriot got his knees up and hit a sloppy DDT for a two. Patriot then hit a full Nelson slam, which is called Uncle Slam, according to Vince McMahon. The Patriot gets the win. Vader cracks Patriot from behind, though. He will be getting his heat back. Brett got into the ring and draped the Canadian flag over the Patriot as Vader went for another Vader bomb. Vader pumps the brakes. He grabs the Canadian flag and snaps it before fighting with Brett. What in the hell is going on around here? Officials come down to break up the brawl. And finally, we get this interview with Stone Cold. Uh, we see the replay from SummerSlam just two weeks ago. Vince is providing voiceover to tell us how Austin's head was well below Owen Hart's ass before Owen sat down on the tombstone. 
The plan was for Owen to drop on his knees, not his ass. It doesn't even make sense as to why Owen would have done a tombstone pal driver in the first place. The WWF champion at the time was The Undertaker. The Undertaker's move was the tombstone. The Undertaker was on the SummerSlam card. He was in the main event against Owen's brother, Brett. Why in the hell would Owen do this move? It's an unwritten rule for all intents and purposes that I've ever come across uh, in wrestling that multiple guys don't typically do the same big moves, especially if the champion is already doing one of those moves. I don't know if any underneath guys were dropping legs when Hulk Hogan was the champion, but if not, that's more than enough reason for Owen Hart to not do a tombstone pile driver. Steve Austin is in Philadelphia because he will be seeing a specialist tomorrow. JR gets one statement out before Austin is already over it. He is pissed off. He's throwing fruit at JR. He says he's a whole lot of pissed off. Owen Hart will have hell to pay when Stone Cold returns. He will listen to what the doctor says, but he will also do what he wants. He will put on his black trunks again. Austin says it has taken him eight years to get where he is, and there ain't no pal driver that's going to ruin that. Austin is going on without taking a breath here. All of a sudden, he says, don't wipe your nose. It pisses me off. That, that was a good random line just right out of nowhere as Austin is just going off the cuff, I can imagine. I keep looking at the top of Austin's head, and I see a dent of some sort, or maybe it's just the way the light is, is going off of his head. I, I don't know. I wonder if that was from the tombstone. Of course, they were able to turn this into an angle. Owen had shirts made. Owen 316 says, I just broke your neck. Austin would come back and keep wrestling. He did have a blow off with Owen at Survivor Series in November. But as the stories go, Stone Cold never really forgave Owen for this incident. And apparently, Owen never apologized to Stone Cold. Bret Hart has said that he told Owen a number of times to apologize to Steve, and I guess it just never happened. Bret was always about never hurting his opponents. He was always safe, so I can't imagine what Bret would have done if he seriously hurt somebody in the ring. And finally, this strange bedfellows tag team match will happen. Shawn Michaels and Hunter Hearst Helmsley will take on Undertaker and Mankind. But before we do that, in Your House, Ground Zero is brought to us by Stridex. Helmsley and China are finishing their entrance as we come back from commercial. HBK is out now. The tights aren't the same, but he is wearing the same entrance attire that he wore back at the Royal Rumble in January. Mankind quickly makes his way out before the thunder and the gong of The Undertaker hit. Man, Undertaker was seriously the coolest dude in North American wrestling. You can't tell me different. Helmsley and Mankind start the match. Mankind has momentum first. Sean came in and got backdropped. Mankind is taking it to both opponents. Undertaker saw Sean by himself, so he tagged himself in, and Sean hightailed it. As Helmsley was raining punches, Sean was holding the dead man's feet. Undertaker backdropped Helmsley over the top rope onto Sean. Sean got tagged in, but his offense doesn't last long. Sean goes to the floor again and calls out Rick Rude. When we come back from a break, Sean power slams Mankind before tagging in Helmsley again. Mankind had the mandible claw on Helmsley before he was tripped and crotched by China. Michaels and Helmsley double team Mankind as they are finally acting as a team. Mankind is getting worked by Michaels and Helmsley here. Michaels hits a suplex and then drops the patented top rope elbow drop. 
He went for Sweet Chin Music, but Mankind blocked. Helmsley went for the pedigree, but Mankind blocks that as well. He headbutts Helmsley in the balls. Undertaker is tagged in as Sean quickly leaves the ring again. Undertaker dispatches Helmsley before finally getting his hands on the heartbreak kid. Rude was going to nail Undertaker with a chair, but since Undertaker is a mythological creature, he saw it coming. Undertaker makes it back to the ring to chokeslam Helmsley. He goes back to hunting Rude. From behind, Sean has a chair and absolutely murders Undertaker with a chair shot straight to the head. This is one of the damnedest chair shots you will ever see. The chair is completely caved in. Undertaker goes to set up and we see the shot that is forever burned in my skull. The close-up on Undertaker trying to get up as Sean hauls off and cracks him again. This match is obviously a disqualification. Michaels, Helmsley, Rude, and China look at Undertaker on the mat before he sets up like Michael Myers once again. The four scurry out of the ring. We take a quick break with 30 seconds left in the show to see a replay, and the show closes with Vince McMahon saying, at ground zero, there will be hell to pay. And that will do it this week. This show wasn't really anything great. It wasn't really anything bad, but I will say somehow it was better than that episode of Nitro from January of 97 I covered not too long ago. Why? Because the entire second hour wasn't ruined by shitty commentary. I will say that it was weird referring to Triple H as Hunter Host Helmsley for this show. I also refrained from calling Triple H and Sean the future DX because this angle really is the catalyst for Degeneration X, and we will get to that somewhere down the line here on this program. Like I said in the open, this leads to the Ground Zero match, which leads to the first Hell in a Cell. There really is nothing more I can say. The rest is literal wrestling history. Thank you for joining me for another week of Who Booked This? As always, follow me on Twitter at Emerald Hacksaw so you don't miss any updates on the show. Head over to anchor.fm forward slash dm1podcast to listen to every episode of this very show. And you can also subscribe to the podcast for a monthly fee. We have three tiers, 99 cents, $4.99, and $9.99. You will get a shout out when you do so. Just hit that support button. You can also tell me how you're liking the show, request a future episode, and ask me anything on the page by clicking the message button. You may get featured here on the show. Make sure to follow the show on your podcast platform of choice. We are on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Breaker, as well, of course, the Anchor.fm page, so you do not miss an episode. Or just listen to me when I say that the show always drops at 3 o'clock Central Standard Time every single Thursday, typically. Before we get out of here, next week we are going back to 2006, and for this particular moment, the Rated R Superstar broke a recent Raw ratings record the night after he finally won the WWE Championship. We are talking about the live sex celebration. Maybe. It might not even be on Peacock. I don't know. I decided that I wanted to end the show with a closing line, so give me a minute here. <clears throat> WBT, when you're here, you're... F no, no, that, do that doesn't work. Okay, okay. WBT, I'm loving... No, no, close. That's, that's not it either. Hold on. All right, all right, here we go. WBT, like Netflix, only... No, no, that's definitely not it. Hmm. Anyway... Uh, that was for you, Michael. So allow me to close the show 
from now on with this for real this time. No matter if the show is good, bad, or in between, the question always remains. Who booked this? See you next week. Catch you later, guys.